0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. God is with us. He's on our side. He's leading us, and He's guiding us, and He's directing our paths. I have been blessed to be here with you. I have improved myself while I'm here. You hadn't got me straightened out yet, but just don't give up on me. That's what I tell the Lord. I said, Lord, don't give up on me. I'm going to make it after a while. We all have wonderful things that God is doing for us and through us and in us. And we thank God for this opportunity to be here with you and your pastors. We appreciate them so very much and thank God for them. They're people that practice what they preach, and we thank God for that. In fact, uh, I almost want to say that there's uh, before the flood, and I was after the flood. Because <laughs> I consider them really, your your pastor, your senior pastors here, to be my elders in the Lord. I really do. God, is, they have been a blessing. They was a big, very big blessing to Dad Hagen when he was here, and we appreciate that so much. And thank God for them and appreciate you as a church and a people that is uh, building a work for God and, and reaching your area and community. And we appreciate that very much. We thank you for all your hospitality. It's just been wonderful since we've been here. And we thank God for that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. And Lord, as I speak tonight, I thank you that I'll speak as the very oracles of God, administer with the ability only which you can give father we know and understand it's not enticing words of man's wisdom that's going to change anyone's life but it's through demonstrations of your spirit of your power and your anointing and father we thank you lord for manifestations and demonstrations of your spirit lord as we reach out by faith and take hold of what belongs to us lord we give you the glory and honor for it in jesus name i pray amen you know, with, with God's power can be present, God's anointing can be present, and, and someone not benefit from it. It wouldn't be you, because you know better. And tonight, I was just specifically led, while I was praying today, I was uh, thinking about different directions, but specifically led to speak on the prayer of faith or how to receive from God, specifically led to do this. And the Lord don't always do it just like that. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say or do till I I get in the pulpit. But, of course, don't you try that. You know what I mean? But today, as I was praying, the Lord just specifically led me along these lines about the prayer of faith. Because that is one of the prayers, actually, that I learned to pray, while I was behind prison bars. Most of you know, or some of you would know, and uh, I don't know, we better lock the doors, boys. <laughs> they may want to get out when they hear this part. That may bother you to lock the doors, but I was in prison for over 12 years, so don't lock, bother me a bit. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, but uh, I learned to pray the prayer of faith and walk away from a life without parole prison sentence. God supernaturally supernaturally worked in my behalf in order to enable me to walk out of the prison gates. And I'm not going through all those stories here tonight because there are quite a few of them. But the power of God can be present. and could be all around us. In fact, God's presence and power is everywhere all the time. One reason I know that, of course, we, we, we see it in the Bible, but Jesus told Dan Hagen that. One time he appeared to him. You remember in Phoenix, Arizona in 1953. Y'all remember that? In Phoenix, Arizona. He was speaking at that Assembly of God church out there. Remember on the corner? Y'all remember that in Phoenix? That Assembly of God church? And he was over at these people's house on a Friday night, just fellowshipping with them, and, and the spirit of prayer came on him. And he told those people, he said, I got to pray, I need to pray, and I got to pray now. He said, now if I'd have been somewhere that people didn't understand the, the way I needed to pray. He said, I would uh, uh, gracefully dismiss myself and ask their permission, can I go? And I would have went to my room, you know, at the hotel or wherever it was, and he said, I would have prayed. He said, these were Pentecostal folks, just like you are, and they understand this kind of praying. So anyway, the, the, the gentleman that was at a house he was in, said, well, Brother Hagin, he said, if you're going to pray, we're going to pray too. So the ladies were preparing some refreshments, you know, after a Friday night service. And so he just went in the kitchen and said, turn the beans off and turn the black eyed peas off or whatever it is there. And come on, we're going to pray. And Brother Hagen said, no, sooner his knees hit the ground. He began to pray in other tongues. And, and he said he prayed up a storm. You know what I mean? I mean, it just flowed out of him like a river. And anyway, Jesus showed him some things there and taught him some things there. But actually, he gave him a message there. I'll encourage you along these lines. Even though it's not my message uh, tonight, uh, I'd encourage you, if you don't already have it, and probably most of you would have it, get that little book, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God, that Dad Hagen said, to me, this is my humble opinion. You listen to your pastors here. They know more than I do. But to me, that's the greatest revelation on faith that's ever been given to the body of Christ. Jesus gave him four points. Say it, do it, receive it, and tell it. And he said, if anybody anywhere will take these four points or principles and put them into operation, they'll always receive from me or God the Father whatever it is they want, need, or desire. It's called How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. Just a little mini book, 32 pages, very easy. But to me, that's a wonderful book. But anyway, when Jesus appeared to him, One time, and not just specifically that one, but one time, and talked to him. He told him, he said, my power is always present everywhere. It's always present everywhere. But in order to benefit from the power of God, we must tap into that power by faith. Now, you know this, and I know this, but we want to examine the prayer of faith. And basically, you could say it this way, too, how to receive from God in prayer. You can receive from God in prayer. We know that the gifts of the Spirit operate and manifest themselves as the Spirit of God wills. In fact, I've been praying a lot in my life in recent times about more manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of special faith and so on and so forth, healing and so on and so forth. And we know that God does move by the gift of his spirit as a sovereign act. And a lot of people stop right there. But I'll tell you one of the ways that he moves, it seems to be the foremost way that he moves, is by somebody believing the word and acting on the word of God. You can receive your miracle from God by simply believing the Bible. Amen. And so I'm talking about the power of God be present. Uh, Dad Hagan tells a story about how he was ministering in, in a meeting, and there was a missionary that was an American, but he lived in, in a foreign land, and he had to come home because he had disease. I don't know if it was cancer or what, but it was something, and he was on his last leg. I mean, this was it. And so they asked uh, Dad Hagen, would, would he pray for him? And so Dad Hagin went in and began to talk to him, and he realized by talking to him and, and praying with him that he's not going to get it just on his own. Somebody's going to have to stand in the gap for him and intercede for him. So Dad Hagen started praying for him in his room between services. He was speaking in the morning service and the night service. So he just spent extra time in this man's room where he was sick, and he began to pray for this man because he couldn't really pray for himself. And he spent several days doing this, you know, praying two to three hours in between services, which is quite taxing, you know, and then speaking two services a day. But he done that. And then one day, you know, he was believing God for that man to be healed. And one day, all of a sudden, at the end of the man's bed, just standing out in front of it, just a little bit, where the man was lying down at, Jesus appeared in that room. And this man that was lying in the bed had basically had been unable to move. But remember, you remember the story. This man jumped up out of the bed and run around to the end of the bed and put his arms out like he was going to hug somebody. And, of course, Dad Hagen thought that he saw Jesus. This man saw Jesus just like Brother Hagen did. We come to find out later the man didn't see Jesus, but he just sensed he was there. And then he would back up after he put his hands out uh, there... to to something like hug somebody or something, he suddenly sat back down on the bed and said, No, I can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. And Brother Hagin said, Jesus is here to heal you. He didn't tell the man he saw him, but he said, Jesus is here to heal you. And so he got up again, and he walked up to where Jesus was. And, of course, all this time, Dad Hagin thought that the man was seeing Jesus, and uh, he put out his arms again and then uh, stood there a moment, you know, a few seconds or so, then went back, sat down at the end of the bed and said, no, I can't. No, I just can't receive my healing. I can't receive my healing. And Dad Hagen said to him again, Jesus is here to heal you, you know. And then they went through this again. And the man said, no, I just can't receive my healing. I can't. And Jesus looked at Brother Hagen, right there at the end of that bed and said this to him. He said, see... I've come to heal him, but he will not let me. In other words, he wouldn't grab a hold to the power because Jesus was standing there, but he didn't tap into that power by faith, so he did not receive his healing, and it wasn't long after. In fact, the Lord told him that he'll die on Friday. That he would, and Brother Hagen's meeting run through Friday. So Jesus said, Brother Hagen said to Jesus in that room, he said, "Dear Lord," he said. He, you know I'm going to speak here through Friday. He said, if you would uh, 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 do me a favor, I'd appreciate it. And he said, well, what is it that you want me to do? That's what Jesus asked Dad Hagin. He said, you know, I, I'm preaching on faith, and I'm preaching on miracles. And he said, if this man dies, he said, while I'm here, the people know this man and it's going to put a damper on this uh, meeting because I'm preaching that you can do anything, and God can, if you'll participate with him and cooperate with him. He said, will you allow him to live until at least I leave? And Jesus said to Brother Hagin, he said, I certainly will. He won't die Friday. He'll die next Tuesday. And sure enough, the meeting went on. Brother Hagin finished it up on Friday, left on Saturday. The man died on Tuesday. But the Lord didn't kill him. Was the power available to heal that man? Absolutely, it was there. Why didn't the man receive his healing? It was just something in him that he couldn't. Of course, him and Dad Hagin talked about it after the fact. And Dan Hagan told him, he said, I thought you seen Jesus. He said, no, but I sensed he was right here, right here. Dan Hagan said, yeah, he was standing right there. You got up and walked right up to him. And I thought you was going to receive your healing those several times, but you didn't. But Brother Hagan told him he saw it. So just because the power of God is present don't mean we're going to benefit from it if we don't tap into it. God requires that we walk by faith and not by sight, he also requires in Hebrews eleven verse number six. It says, "Without faith, it is impossible to please Him." What does the word "impossible" mean? I looked it up in the doggone dictionary. That's a good when you get a doggone dictionary. That's a dictionary right there. I looked it up in a dictionary, and do you know what I found out that word "impossible" means? It means not possible. <laughs> So it is not possible to please God without faith. Hebrews 11:6 says, "Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For those that come to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him." I'll tell you this: God will reward your faith. You can receive anything based on the scriptures, not outside the scriptures, but anything in the scriptures that you'll study, meditate, build your faith on, regardless of what it is, you can receive from God. Now, when I say that, there are limitations of what you can believe for. And and I'm not going too far here because we've got younger folks and everything, but I'll just say it enough so you know, adults can understand some things here because Dad Hagen. I heard him tell this story one time. Wait, it was on Back Yonder, you know, and he was talking about faith. And so this couple, this young married couple, had four children, and they decided that they didn't want to have no more children. You know, you just can't wildly claim something outside the Bible. And so they got excited about what he was teaching about the prayer of faith, what things forever you desire, when you pray, believe him, receive them, and you're going to have them, you know. And so they came to Brother Hagin with this new revelation that they got. We're just going to believe God that we're not going to have any more children at all. You're know, just going to believe God by this scripture, you know. Well, would that be scripture? Well, Brother Hagin right away pointed out to them, well, you've got to do something else. <laughs> Besides that, if you're not going to have any more children. And then he came a revelation that I, ne- I never thought about along this line. He said that uh, there's a law in the Bible that God set in motion called the law of sowing and reaping. <laughs> and he said, you can't just go out and claim something like that and believe something like that because you don't have chapter and verse. In fact, they said, well, we're going to do it. He said, the next time he saw them, they had five kids. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, later on, they come around, they had six kids. He said they finally figured out how to do it. Do you know what I mean? It, it don't work just because you're just going to claim something wildly. So I'm not talking about just claiming something wildly. I'm talking about claiming what the Bible says belongs to you and your children and your family. You can benefit from God's power and it'll go to work for you in the name of Jesus and you can receive whatever you need from God based upon his word and the devil cannot stop it. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Again, I was specifically led along these lines, which is rare for me, I'm telling you, but I knew the Lord wanted me to share this tonight. I mean, being led is not rare, but telling me what to, I would hope, you know. But, but what I'm talking about is like this, giving me this to, to share. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said this, and we could read 23 too, but you could quote it. But to Mark eleven twenty-four, 24, and this is the prayer of faith right here in the Bible. There's different types of prayer, but we're going to talk about the prayer of faith. Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty-four. 24, this is what you base the prayer of faith on. Therefore, I say unto you, What things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Do you see that? Let me show you what the Lord taught me about this verse way back there in 1982. He showed me that there were actually four principles that when you pray the prayer of faith, that you need to put into action in order for it to work for you. So we're going to look at the principles right here. Based, This is the words of Jesus, not my words. This is not something I came up with or even necessarily read in a book. I heard a lot of good preaching along this line, but this is something the Lord taught me. He said, therefore, I say unto you, and that's the words he's telling you, he's about to tell you something. He said, what things soever you desire. So the first principle is to pray the prayer of faith. Number one is you must have a desire. Isn't that what it says? What things so ever you desire. Now, this desire is not a desire that's, uh, well, if it happens, okay, or if it doesn't happen, I'm okay. This desire, when you look it up and study up this word, is a desire that will not be satisfied until the answer comes. In other words, it's a continuous pressing in by faith and saying it's mine in the name of Jesus, Right? So that's what it says. What things soever you desire. Then the next thing it says, when you pray. So the second principle is, you must pray about your desire when you pray. So step two is pray about that desire. And we'll show you exactly what the Bible says about how to pray about your desire. Who do you pray to? How do you pray it? Then the next thing is said here, Believe that you receive them. So the third principle is you believe that you receive them. Now, when it says believe that you receive them, that don't make it real plain to us sometimes. What this means by faith is believe that you have received them while you're praying and it becomes past tense to you after you pray. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Say, I don't feel it yet. I don't see it yet. That's where faith comes in. Isn't that right? Then the fourth principle is a principle that you really don't have to practice. So really, there's only three. The fourth one is, you shall have them. Isn't that what it says? But he said, believe that you have. That's what it should be. It should believe that you have received them and you shall have them. When do you believe that you receive them? Before you have them. When do you have them? After you have believed that you received them. Now, do they exist? Yes, in the realm of the spirit. Isn't that right? And then we bring them out of that realm, out of the word into reality in our life. So let's go back by popular demand and look at this first principle, what things soever you desire. I was uh, flying a little single engine airplane around the United States. It didn't, I don't know if it sounded that good or not, but anyway, (laughs) I was getting around, you know, flying this place, that place, with a single-engine airplane, and and it got to be that uh, my son, Randall, came along, who uh, some of you here know, you know. But uh, he came along, and so we needed more space. We needed more weight-hauling capability and everything. So I started to... uh, looking for a twin-engine airplane, you know, and I wasn't qualified yet to fly one, but I knew I could get qualified, you know, and go to some training and and get it taken care of. So this is what I set out to do, what things so ever you desire. So I started doing this, because I'm going to believe God for an airplane, and I'm going to use this verse to do it, because I I knew how to practice it, but I made a mistake, and I want to share with you my mistake so you don't make the same mistake I made. So I started going to the Lord. Lord, what kind of airplane do I need? Lord, what kind of airplane I need? Lord, what kind of twin-engine airplane do I need? What kind of twin-engine airplane do I need? Well, Lord, what kind do I need? What kind do I need? I just prayed that over and over and over and over and over. And I didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. When you don't hear anything, you need to change. Isn't that right? So I didn't hear anything for a while. And I said to the Lord one day, I got intelligent. Now, that is a miracle, but God's in the miracle business. I got intelligent. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, why haven't I heard from you about what kind of twin-engine airplane that I need? Because I'm trying to pray Mark 11, 24. He said, son, do you see what that verse says? He said, read it. What things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. He said, you see what it says? Yeah, but what is it saying? What things, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. He said, notice what it doesn't say. He said, it does not say what I desire for you. It says, what do you desire? He said, you're the pilot. You're the one that's been the training. He said, you study and find out what aircraft you want. And then you come back and tell me which aircraft you want and believe me for it. And he said, I will bring it to pass for you. And boy, I got excited. Then I'm going and then I realized the Lord said now based on how much faith you have. In other words, I wouldn't couldn't go out and believe God for the space shuttle. <laughs> I didn't have the money to operate it if I had one, you know what I mean? So you have to be realistic in your desire. So when I figured it out, I, I realized that the kind of airplane that I believed that I could believe God for the money for and then the money to operate it. You remember what uh, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Angela has taught us? Y'all remember this? They taught us what you obtain, you must maintain. Remember, I told the raccoon story. In one of the services here, you know, might have been the first one. Some people obtain things and then they holler, "Whoa, Shoot this thing. woo What have I done? What have I done? Because what you obtain, you must maintain. So it's one thing. So well, I want this gigantic house. Well, what you gonna do with it when you get it? You know what I mean? I know some folks. Shoot this thing. <laughs> God's not against you You having anything as long as you keep it in the Bible. That's it. So I realized that I needed a particular type aircraft that was in my faith budget. I wouldn't be real unrealistic. I was being real. I couldn't go out and claim 10,000 oil wells or claim every jet on the market or, or something like that. I had to go where my faith was. Well, what about so-and-so over there? They're doing this and that. I can't base my faith on what they're doing. I've got to base my faith on where I'm at. And that's where a lot of people get discouraged because their desire sometimes overloads their faith. You've got to have the faith level that meets your desire level and it's it not to a detriment or it's not talking bad about yourself. It's just being realistic so that you can believe God and then the next time you can believe God for something bigger and that's the way it works. So don't be unrealistic with your faith. Can I tell you a story about a man that I know personally and uh, in fact, he was the last church Last Schedule Church that Dad Hagin ministered at in London, Ontario, Canada. Pastor Jay, I don't know if you ever met him. He was from India. He was, he was an Indian, and what happened is he got gloriously born again. And he was a one named Brahmin, a Brahmin high priest in, in India in that religion. And uh, somebody tricked him into going to an evangelical church service, Christian service. And he was all mad and frustrated and wanted to whoop everybody in the building. And then Jesus Christ appeared to him. And demons left him. And he got gloriously born again. But anyway, he wound up moving to Canada. From Canada came, got permission to come to the United States and go to Ramah. And so him and his wife, y'all remember Rebecca, little Rebecca. She was five years old back then. Now, well, she's still short, but she's done up there now. But little Rebecca was five years old, and then Sarah. Now that's not uh, there. Well, I know Pastor Jay. His name is Pancharane uh, Jaramuta Akimidia Mosaba. I'm speaking in tongues. I don't know, but <laughs> it's something. So just call him Jay and get it over with. Well, they're going to Rama, and they believe this verse right here: "What things soever you desire." I'm still talking about desires, and really. I know I'm going to concentrate on his desire because this is where a lot of people overload themselves. And I want to be realistic. We want to be real when we're believing God for something. You know what I mean? Especially finances or homes or cars or planes or whatever that would be, you know. And he wants healing in your physical body too, but you can claim that because it's in the Bible too, like the rest of it. Anyway, he was going to Ramah and he had what they call a visa to go to school to be in this country permission to be here from the government, but he didn't have permission to work here. So he had moved from Canada, relocated here, and they lived in a little bitty apartment, a little one-bedroom apartment on the second story of this really old apartment complex there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And uh, they didn't have money. In fact, uh, it got down to where they didn't have the money to pay their tuition to go to school. And so what they'd done is they would go over to Student Development Center 1, you know where that is, administration office is, those that have been out there, and they would sit out there on sofas during the day, just like they were going to school, and, and study their books, you know, by faith and go. So that's how bad it got. I mean, it got down to that they didn't have nothing but rice to eat. And one day, he got mad. Either you need to get mad or glad. He was mad because his little daughter, Rebecca, five years old, didn't have the proper food, didn't have the proper clothes. He didn't have money to put gas in his car. He would have I mean? Just enough to get back and forth because their money's dwindled out. So he got mad. And he said, Sarah, that's his wife. He said, the Bible is not working for me like it does for those other folks. He said, I... I'm going to believe God to help us financially. He said, I'm going to get some books on prosperity that Dad Hagen had wrote, and I'm going to get my Bible. And he said, I'm going into our bathroom, and I'm not coming out. That's going to be my closet. And I'm not coming out until I get a revelation on finances. And he said, I'm going to believe God because God is going to supply our needs. He sent us here. And Sarah, his wife, said to him, He said, Jay, said, You go in the bathroom and lock yourself in there. I said, what are we gonna do? He said, Go to the neighbor's house. <laughs> and he was serious. He said, We gotta get this thing straightened out. So he went in that place in the bathroom and he locked himself up in there and he started fasting and praying and studying and meditating on them scriptures. And about a week later. All of a sudden, uh, Sarah, his wife, was there boiling some rice on the stove. That's all they had. She was boiling some rice there on the stove. And here come that door, clambered open, and he come flying out of that door, looking like a wild man. You know, if he'd been locked up with God for five days in the bathroom, you're going to come out looking some kind of way. You know what I mean? He come out of that bathroom, and she said that he had such a look of joy on his face. And he said, Sarah... He said, I have believed God for one American dollar today. She said, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Here, she had some change, you know, and you could buy that little bitty salt and them little things about that tall and it was, you know, and had that little man's picture and it was blue and you could buy it for not much back then. He said, here, go to the store and get me some salt to put in this rice. So, he took that little change, you know, instead of driving because he don't have gas in his car. He cut out behind that apartment complex, and it was in the, you know, bad place anyway. So it was an empty lot there, and there was uh, glass and bottles and whiskey bottles, beer bottles, and all kind of trash and debris. And, and he was trying to work himself around it to go the back way to get over that little store and get that salt and bring it back to Sarah before she whooped him, you know. <laughs> And as he was walking along, he was stepping over this trash pile and looked down and guess what he saw? He saw one brand new crisp American dollar landing on top of that, laying on top of that trash pile. He reached down, grabbed that thing, took off and forgot about the glass and run back to the house and run up them stairs, run inside. Shocked her when he came in and said, see, see, see. God will supply our needs. He gave her a dime. (laughs) Took 90 cents and put it in the offering. He believed God the next time for $5. And he got $5. Then he got bold. And he believed God for $50. And $50 came. Then he started believing God for $100. That looked like it was the end of the world. But one of those uh, RaMA students come walking down the hall, didn't even know him, said, "Brother, I don't know why, but I feel led to give you this." And he looked down, and it was a $100 bill. He liked to tore the walls down <laughs> in that school, shouting and praising God, running to get Sarah, See, See, See!" So it got down, and he just built himself up, just a little bit of time. His desire, matching his faith, he'd just seen God work, you know. And so it got down, he, he was getting, God was helping him, blessing them. They got back in school, everything was fine, he was able to pay everything. And uh, so they had a desire to go see their family. Their families in India. You know, they wanted to go because little Rebecca's mama wanted to see her, you know, and they didn't have the means to come from India to here at that time, especially... So he needed, he figured it out. They needed $5,000 for them to go over there, get the tickets and all that and fly over there round trip, be able to stay and have food to eat and come back. So he needed $5,000. So he told Sarah by this time, said, Sarah... He said, I'm believing God for $5,000. And on Christmas break, he said, we are going to see our family. We're going to see your mama. We're going to see my mama and my daddy. And we're going to take Rebecca where she can see her grandparents back to India. And by this time, uh, Sarah, his wife, had been seeing God work on them dollars here and $5 there and $10 there and 15 she said, I believe it. <laughs> Just faith, by faith, she spoke it out. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. Well, it's coming time, you know, for, for them to go and they don't have the money. He's still confessing, I believe that I have received $5,000. Thank you, Lord. I believe that I have received $5,000. I believe that I have received $5,000. And it looked like it was working in reverse. It looked like the money was leaving instead of coming. But he's kept saying it, kept saying it. He had worked at a job up in Canada before he come. He was a company controller. He was very educated and he had a lot of wisdom about finances. So he had a job at this company and the job at this company, you know, they came to him. His manager did one day and told him, Jay, don't come to work tomorrow. Said the business is about to close its doors. And Jay said, no, the business is not going to close its doors. God gave me this job and I need this job to get the money to save up enough because you had to have so much money to come here on a visa without being able to work to be able to come into to the United States. He said, you no, know, it ain't going to close. And he said, well, they're picketing out there now. And he said, we can't survive another picket and a shutdown because they had union, you know. And he said, they're they're making demands that the company can't make because and and pay them more because we don't have the money to pay them anymore. And so what the uh, boss man's going to do, the president of the company is, is he's just going to close the doors. And Jay said to his manager, he said, sir, Jesus is my source. And I can tell you tomorrow, I'm going to be here at work. And this business is not going to close. He said, how do you know? He said, because I trust God and God is on my side. So they was calling a board meeting later that afternoon. And when they was in the board meeting, it was doom and gloom. I mean, the president was sitting there almost crying and in tears. And finally, this manager spoke up and said, Sir, he said, you know that uh, crazy Indian that we got here from India, you know, that he's always a praying for everybody and everything like that? Yeah. Uh, he told me a while ago down there this morning, he said, this business ain't going to close. And the president got up and looked out the window. He said, did he see the picket line? Does he see out there what they're going to do? They're going to shut us down because I don't have the money. He said, I'm just telling you, sir. He said, that's what he said. You know, and he's been right every time. So the president said, go down there and get him out of his office and bring him up here to the board meeting. So they got Jay, who's never even been to Raymond yet, brought him up here to the board meeting. This is before he went to Raymond. And they come into the boardroom And the president said, what is this that you're saying? He said, sir, he said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He said, I've prayed for a lot of people in this company and God has blessed them and worked miracles for them. God gave me this job so I could be go to Bible school because I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a minister. I'm going to be a pastor. And he said, he gave me this job where I could save the money to be able to go into the United States and go to the Bible school. And he said, this business is not going to close. In the name of Jesus, I declare it. He said, well, if I was you, the president said, I wouldn't come to work tomorrow. He said, I'm going to be here, and I suggest that you come too. The next morning, Jay came to work, and when he drove in the gate, the president of the company stopped him. He said, I don't know who you know. He said, but that was squashed last night. Everybody left. It's all settled and it's all worked out. Come in here and let me give you a raise. My God. So I told you that story to take you on into the future. You know, we go back and forth in the future here. So he's down at Ramah. He's believing God for $5,000. The Christmas, remember they want to go in December. Well, the, the company is having what they call a Christmas party for all of those. And the president was getting up and making some remarks. And just by chance, he said, you know, he said, if any of us have someone to thank for this business still being here today and all of our jobs and prosperity we have is from Jay. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, I remember Jay, the old crazy Indian. Yeah, Jay, yeah, Jay. He said, you know, it don't. he's down there in the United States and he said, to uh, I don't know what he needs, but I'm sure he could use some money. He said, let's just pass the hat, you know. I think we got buckets here. But he said, let's pass the hat and take up a kitty. That's the world's way of saying it. Take up a kitty, you know, not a kitty cat, you know, but money. And they passed the hat around. And when they got through, guess how much money was in that hat? $5,000. And they sent him a certified check down there to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And you're talking about kicking holes in the wall. I'm telling you, it'd make you want to kick holes in the wall and chew your toothbrush on one end. My God, I'm telling you the truth. God was working miraculously. Now, I know this man personally. I'm not telling you hearsay. I know it. I know him personally. Today this man is a multimillionaire. multi millionaire. Multi. Multi millionaire. But he started with 1 dollar. That's where the wisdom is at. 1 dollar. Don't bite off more than you can chew. In other words, make sure your desire measures up to your faith. Can I tell you another story about this? <laughs> Don't bite off no more than you can chew. Remember this? Remember Pearly Ann, Nancy Jane, Emmeline, Carter Greer? That's my grandmama, you know. And she was a little bitty short thing. She was the old Pentecostal, you know, that didn't believe in cutting your hair. Y'all remember? Oh, I know you remember Church of God. I know you believed it. <laughs> They did. Assemblies was half backslidden to the Church of God. But anyway, <laughs> I went to Assemblies when I was a little. And they had some of that, you know, but they called it bobbing the hair, I think, way back there. But anyway, uh, Mama, you know, we'd go to Granny's house and Granny always had a pile of food on the table. And if you didn't eat, uh, it would offend her. What she would do is just take a sheet, like old bed sheet, she'd then washed and cleaned. And when... Everybody got through eating. She'd just throw the bed sheet over it. You know what I mean? And uh, y'all remember those days? And throw the bed sheet and you come over there and, and uh, they, these uh, grandkids, you know, her grandkids would bring their babies over there and stuff like that to see granny because she would demand it. And you done what granny said, you know. And she'd demand it and bring them over there and they'd be sitting there and them little old babies, I mean, just barely getting by and they're eating all that old food and them little old bottles, you know, it's a, you ever tried that stuff? You know, and then you take the top off of it and eat them peas and all that. Baby food, you know. Anyway, their little babies would be sitting there around Granny's table. And she would have pork chops, fried chicken. I mean, she had it all. I mean, just up there, you know. And, and, and little babies, you know, would reach out to, to grab a hold to the pork chop. And their mamas, you know, just tap their hand. No, baby, you can't have that. You ain't big enough to eat no pork chop. And it would make Pearly and Nancy Jane, Carter, Greer so fly and mad. She was going to whoop them granddaughters. She said, give me that baby. If that baby wants a pork chop, that baby is going to get a pork chop. That's my baby. Give me that baby. And she would take that baby. And she always wore them boos. You know what I mean? The moo boos with the pockets on the side. You know what I mean? The comfortable ones. And, and, and what she would do. And she had some whopper choppers that were convertible, and so she'd spit them out in her hand. You know what I mean? And put them down in the pocket. You know what? I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. I mean, she'd put them in her pocket, and she'd reap up. She'd reach up on the table, and she'd get one of them pork chops, and she'd tear a little piece of that off, and she'd throw it in her mouth, and she'd begin to squish it with her gum, you know, squish it real good. I mean, get it juicy. I mean, real juicy. I mean, get the digestive juices flowing. That was uh, the process. And then after she chewed it, what she thought was enough, she'd reach up in there and the little baby's just looking up like a bird, you know, and she'd pull it out of her mouth and say, okay, baby, open your mouth, baby. And that baby would open his mouth and she would stick that thing in there and that baby would just slobber everywhere just like Granny did. <laughs> well, I said that for this reason. Granny didn't put a whole pork chop in that baby's mouth. She put a squish pork chop. <laughs> now, will that hurt you? I am one of them babies. And look what happened to me. I'm feeling out pretty good. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the way they used to do it. That's the way baby food used to be made. <laughs> that's the way, that's the way granny did it. But what the thing is, I'm still talking about desire. I know I'm spending time on this, but this is where people, I believe, have the trouble. They try to just go, Brother Caps just call it go whole hog when half ready. So first thing you do is what? You have a desire. But that desire needs to measure up to your faith level. Measure up to your faith level. Don't go out and try to believe something and claim something beyond the Bible. And and like that couple did, you heard what Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin told that story in a big public meeting. So I just shared a little bit of it. He he got more explicit. But anyway... (laughs) He just said that what they were believing wouldn't work. You had some other things you got to do, you know. So the first thing, what is it? What do you got to have to pray this? What's the the first principle? You got to have a desire. But that desire needs to be at least, I mean, I'm not saying you can't stretch your faith, but it needs to measure up to your faith. I'm not saying you can't reach out and go beyond where you're at. But the first thing you do is you have a desire. And then the second thing, what did you tell me? You're to need to pray about that desire. How do you pray? How do you approach God in prayer? Turn to John 16. We'll come back here. St. John chapter 16. And, and you'll be familiar. If you attend this church, you, you'll be familiar with these verses. So we're not sharing anything new. We're just reinforcing what you already knew. How do we pray? How do we approach God in prayer? St. John chapter 16. Again, this is the word of Jesus. In verse number 23, Jesus said in St. John 16, 23, he said, in that day, this is speaking of the day that you and I presently live in, he said, you shall ask me nothing. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, what will happen? He will give it to you. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Verse 24 goes on to say, Hitherto, which means up to now, have you asked nothing in my name. He said, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus when we come to pray this prayer of faith. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible says. And that's what we've learned. So we know that we have a desire. The number two, we pray about that desire. The number three, <clears throat> believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What do you do? Believe that you have received them and you shall have them. What do you do? Believe that you have received them and you shall have them. When I received The airplane prior to the one that we just obtained, uh, a Cirrus SR-22 aircraft. I remember I was transitioning out of the the twin and actually we sewed S-O-W-E-D, it into another ministry or minister. Because that's what we sense we should do. So therefore, a period of time, I was without an aircraft at all. So believe you receive them and you shall have them. That's what I'm talking about. So we it rocked on, and I, I called myself Believing God uh, for this particular aircraft, equipped a certain way and, and so on, and with certain kinds of instruments and equipment and navigational systems on it, and uh, radars and things like that. And it just seemed like it rocked on there for a good while I mean, almost two years, and I didn't receive anything at all. And so. I was walking around my house. Uh, it's, uh, it was different. I lived in Broken Era then. Now I live in a place called Owasso. You've heard me t- talk about it, which is not real far from Broken Era. It's a little ways, but not real, real far. And I was walking around my home, and Randall was upstairs. His room was upstairs, and our, our master bedroom was on the back, uh, be, the, be the southeast corner of the home. So I had the whole front of the house downstairs the run of it by myself. We had bedrooms down there and offices down there. And I just would get up back then. I was just being led to do that. And you don't have to do it. You don't have to copy me. You don't have to do nothing. But the Lord was waking me up at 3.30 in the morning. And, uh, and, And I would get up and I would start praying and seeking God, praying and seeking God, praying and seeking God. And so one of these mornings as I was walking in there, I was walking down the, I come out of the kitchen and there was a hallway you walked down and there was of course a, we called it the guest bathroom here, and it had another guest bedroom over there. And, and I was walking down this hall, and then when you got to the end of the hall, there was a bedroom there and another bedroom to the left, but we had made that into an office, and that's where Patty controlled, and you know, the whole system, you know. <laughs> Probably like Pastor Angela does. You control the whole thing, you know. She'd take the money and hide it and lock it up from you. No, no I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But anyway, <clears throat> I was walking down that hall. And then to to make the trip a little longer, you know, I I walked into that bathroom. When you walk in the bathroom so far, you know, you get to the tub. It's got a shower and everything. And the commode was on the left, walls on the right. So when I got to the tub, I just turned back and like I was going to go out of that door. And I stopped right there in front of the the sink in the bathroom. And I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I've believed you for an airplane now for quite some time. And I said, I, I haven't seen anything, heard anything. I mean, it seems like it's not working. It seems like it's going in reverse. And I wasn't confessing that and I believe I'm talking to the Lord. You understand? I'm not out telling the public. And uh, I said, Lord, what is it? What's wrong? Believe that you received them and you shall have them. He said, the first thing is that's wrong. This verse that you're quoting to me, Mark eleven twenty four. 24 it says here, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He said, you've never believed that you've received the airplane. Well, when the Lord tells you that you've never believed, he's right and you're wrong. Now, I wanted to take up for myself, but I couldn't find any space to do it in the conversation. And I, I mean, it just hit me right square 20 eyes. And it wasn't in a mean way. He was just answer my question. And I said, Lord, well, what do you mean by that? He said, this is what you've been doing. And I found out he was right. He's always right. He said, you've been saying this. Well, if I could get my partners to do this, I could get somebody to do that. If I could do somebody, somebody would do this, somebody would do that. Then then," he said, you're trusting in the arm of the flesh. He said, you're not believing me. He said, people may do something because I inspire, but you're trying to do it in your own mind trying to figure this thing out. He said, you've never believed that you received the airplane. And in a split second, I repented. I said, Lord, I, I see that. I'm sorry. Lord, I put my faith in you. And this is in December of 2012. And I, I said, Lord, I put my faith in you. And I did. I mean, I took it out. I said, I apologize because I didn't realize what I was doing. You know, I was trying to work it out in my head. And I said, Lord, I entered into that realm of believing that I received that airplane right now in the name of Jesus. And I walked out of there. It was just like joy filling my spirit. You know what I mean? It was like, a, uh, can I give you a good illustration? Y'all remember that commercial on TV? The Geico pig on the zip line? Wee! Y'all remember that pig? I felt like that pig on that zip line. Wee! I was going down through there. I mean, it was just inside of me like that. I mean, I was just squealing inside. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I mean, I had it, just a warm, fuzzy feeling all inside. And I went around that day thanking you, Lord. You know, I didn't say nothing to Patty or nothing, you know. <clears> Orlando. <throat> when I said. Thank you, Lord. It's mine, it's mine. So I went in my office later that morning. I had an office there at home too as well. as down the road, you know. I went in my office and I was sitting there. <clears throat> And I was looking at the Bible, just rejoicing because I knew that I had now entered into that realm. And the Lord said, uh, You said that you believed me for an airplane. I said, Yes. He said, Well, what you gonna put it in? You need somewhere to park it, you know. You don't take an airplane like that, just leave them out sitting on a ramp somewhere. He said, if you really believe me, go over to the airport today and get a hangar. I said, Yes, yeah, a good idea. So I went over to Claremore, Oklahoma because I knew around in Tulsa right there this airport's not real far from where I live and I knew that it would be more available over there so I went over there because I had let go of my hangar that I used to have an airplane there and I walked in and Eric was there y'all remember Eric he was the manager y'all remember him y'all, y'all remember Eric don't you but anyway <coughs> I went in and Eric was right there he's the manager of the airport and he looked at me and he said hey Mr. Greer he said I had not seen you in a while I said I know it, and I was kind of hemming and hawing and beating around the bush. She said, "What are you doing out here? What you up to? What you got on your mind?" He said, "I can just tell by the way you were walking and hemming and hawing and looking around here that you and that." Because I didn't want to ask him because I knew they had a waiting list for people to get hangers out there, you know. And so I, I finally said, "Well, you know," I said, "I need an airplane hanger." He said, you getting another airplane? I said, yeah, I already got it. You'd have said I was lying. <laughs> I already got it. Where's it at? I said, it'll be coming. I'll be bringing it soon. I said, but I need to get a hanger to put it in. He said, you know there's a list, don't you? I said, I know that. I said, I, I was pretty sure there was. That's why I, why I didn't want to ask you. He said, well, the president of the bank, RCB Bank, has just built his own hanger And he said he's moving out and because you are a prior customer and you always paid us right in advance, everything taken care of, he said if you want that hanger, you can get it I said I want it (laughs) I signed the papers and went in there and got the hanger and uh, of course the bank president had to move out it was just in a few days and he was out and then built his own hanger and everything else And, and so then I leave there and I go over to Fort Walton Beach, Florida. You know where Fort Walton Beach is, and, and actually it was on that island. What's the name of that? It's in between Fort Walton and Destin. There's a little island there. It's got a bridge on this end coming out of Fort Walton, headed uh, east, and then you got a little island kind, of, and you go off the other end, and you're in Destin. Another bridge over there, Ocalausa, Okaloosa Island, or something they call it. Anyway, we was there doing meetings. We was up on the top floor. I think back then, I don't know what the name of the hotel is coming to me, Ramada or something. Anyway, they had real nice meeting rooms. And we was up there on the top floor And on a a Wednesday morning. And I was just greeting people, you know, walking around as my custom is, you know, as before the service started. And I was kind of towards the front and I looked up and, and I seen somebody come in the door. And it shocked and amazed me. You know who it was? It was Mr. Abner Yoder. These folks right here, no. And he come walking in that door, and Miss Esther, you know his wife, Miss Esther, and Steve, his son, and Steve brought his daughter, and she was fixing to go over yonder somewhere across the big pond and be a missionary. <clears throat> so his his son and, and Miss Esther saw. I we went back immediately because you know David had us. He knew who they were. So a lot of people in in our meeting didn't know who they were, but we did immediately. You know, Mister Yoder, he's one of them. Uh, Multi, tie, 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 tie millionaires, you know. Here he is, and he's in there. He was Brother Hagin's biggest supporter for 30 years. Remember that? Remember that? Brother Hagin used to try to outgive him and stuff? He might have one year, I don't know. But anyway, he walked in, and I'm back there, and in, I'm in Hugging Miss Esther, his wife, you know, and talking to Steve, his son. and Because he's over there fiddling with something. He has his uh, bifocals on and he's doing this, you know. Trying to get everything lined up. His hands just right and everything so he could read that. And so I finally walked up to him and said, hey, Mr. Yoder, it's so good. I, I was shocked to see you here. He said, do I have to put this in the envelope? I said, Mr. Yoder, you don't have to do nothing. You don't have to wear on anyway. You don't have to do nothing you don't want to do. He said, you believe the Lord can send me here? I said, yes, sir. I believe the Lord can send you here. He said, here, take his check and go buy that airplane. I said, I think I will. We had a meeting that morning. I'm here to tell you, we had a meeting that morning. But the moment that I got into that place, of believing that I received and took all my faith and trust off of circumstances, situations, and things I could think of and turned it totally over to the Lord and walked in faith with him. I mean, in a matter of weeks, weeks, I had the cash money to go pay cash for that aircraft. I looked at the aircraft and flew it for the first time with the owner's son that I was buying it from on a Tuesday, and we flew it home to our hangar that I had got in advance on a Friday. And you don't buy airplanes that fast. But the reason I bought it, because I didn't do a pre-buy. You know what a pre-buy is, where you look it over before you buy it? But I knew the mechanics that had worked on it there at a serious service center, so I walked in and talked to them. They said, Mr. Gray, nothing wrong with this plane. He's just moving up. And to another type aircraft. And he said, that's why I sell it. He said, this thing's in excellent shape. We keep it up. Everything's fine. I said, would you do a pre-buy? He said, no, you don't need one. And I knew it. His name was Ralph Staley. Y'all remember Ralph, don't you? Ralph? He he run Autopilot Central out there, you know. But anyway, I knew him. He he lived down the road from me about a a mile. So anyway, these verses came to pass in my life. What things, soever you desire, when you pray... Believe that you receive them. After I believed I received them, then number four happened, you shall have them. So anything that you need from God, ladies and gentlemen, spiritually, physically, materially, financially, educationally, whatever it is that you need from God, you can receive it. And tonight, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to agree with you. If you need healing in your body, if you need finances in your life, need miracle situations worked out, I'm telling you, the Word of God is true. And we can act on the Word, and the Word will come to pass just like God said it would. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your Holy Written Word. And we thank you for what you've done for us and what you've shown us. And Father, there's people here tonight that's been encouraged, that's been strengthened. And Father, I thank you for the anointing of God that's upon us. And I thank you that your word is true. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.